it's good to see you here this morning, and if you would, turn to Romans, Romans chapter 7, and we'll spend a lot of our time in there this morning, Romans chapter 7, I know we have a number of folks sick, and hopefully they get to feeling better, uh, but I want to talk a little bit this morning about dilemmas. Have you ever been in a dilemma? I know that at some point we all have, no matter how big or small it may be, we've been in a dilemma. And what is a dilemma? It is any difficult and perplexing situation, a predicament. And we've always heard that. I got myself in a predicament, in a situation. And so we want to talk about a dilemma here in Romans chapter 7, uh, verses 14 is where we'll be starting. Paul describing a great struggle uh, between one who knows to do good but cannot do it, between a desire to keep the law of God and a war with the law of sin. So if we look in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14, and, and this is the one time when you read the commas and the semicolons and all that stuff makes sense. Because if you read on through, it just, it's, it's a tough passage. It makes you pause. And there are different translations. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, but uh, it says, it starts out, seven, Romans 7, verse 14. says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice." Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And so here we have Paul describing this great struggle, as I said, between one who knows to do good but can't do it, between a desire to keep the law of God and a war with the law of sin. And so we look at this, this it's a challenging passage just in the way that it reads, uh, but it, it's one that talks about two dilemmas, a textual dilemma and a human dilemma. And if we look at the textual dilemma described by Paul, you know, is it his uh, struggle as a Christian? Well, if we look at the use of this, these pronouns here of I, me, my, it is certainly indicative that Paul is, you know, he's talking about himself. But if we also see that the Christian, you know, we as Christians so struggle at this. So 
If we look in Galatians 5 and in verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. James chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? And then we can look in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 11 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So as Christians, we are having this battle of wanting to do good, but we have sin knocking at our door. We're, we're wanting to do the things, and it goes perfectly with what we've studied this morning about Paul as the, as the example, but looking at what, what can happen when we let the world and you know, our bellies want to uh, eat of things of the world versus eat of, of the Spirit. And so, uh, as Christians, we're going to struggle, and as Paul... Um, you know, was he struggling as a Jew when he was a Jew? Is that what he's kind of describing? Because he's talking about the law in this while living under the law of Moses. Moses, And, and more than likely he was because he, he knows now what the law is. He was following it, as again we've described uh, in our Bible study uh, before, that he was the Jew's Jew. He followed it for the letter. And so there is this dilemma of how to understand understand that. But Paul is describing this. If we look at the context of, of what we just talked about, consider the overall context first of the book of Romans. Number one, if we look back in Romans chapter 3 and in verse 28, it talks about justification by faith in Christ and not by keeping the law of Moses. Romans 3 and in verse 28 says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he... Uh, the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So we have that. Also, if we look in Romans chapter 4, verse 13, it talks about the promise of Abraham and what it comes through. It comes through faith and not the law. Romans 4.13 says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And then we look in what we're reading now in, verses, uh, in chapter 7 and, then we'll, and also in a little bit of, of chapter 8, that Paul's comments are especially to those who know the law. So he's not speaking to just anybody. He's talking to them who know what this law is. Romans 7 and verse 1, it says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives. And it also tells us in, in uh, verse 4 that those once married to the law uh, uh, die to the law through Christ. Christ is taking this away. Therefore, brethren, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So Paul is letting them know that you know, the law was there, but there's something better. Those who uh, once, uh, you know, those once held by the law have been delivered from it. 
Romans chapter 7 and verse 6 says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Verse 7, you know, the law referenced to clearly includes the Ten Commandments. You know, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So the law was there. Before the law, we honestly did not know what was good and what was bad, what was sin and what was not sin. We could make up what was sin in our own mind. We have uh, the idea of what we think is good and bad. So the law, when it was put in place, this was God's word that said, as we know in the Ten Commandments, this is what you can and cannot do. This is what I like. The law set in place what um, is good and what is bad, what God expects. But the fact remains is that even though the law was there and though it was good, it still brought death and not deliverance because the law could not do away with sin. It could not wash away sin. It could only put it away for a while through you know, the uh, uh, animal sacrifices. It needed something better. And that's what Paul is leading up to, is there is something better. Verse 8 says in Romans chapter 7, But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I didn't know what sin was. Verse 9 says, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. We finally know what sin is. And then we have this deliverance, an appeal, you know, a deliverance appealed to. It's alluded to and then, and then explained in verse 24 of chapter 7. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he answers that in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then if we look in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says... There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And it goes on to say, who do not walk according to the flesh. We've got to get away from these fleshly desires and walk according to the Spirit. It says uh, in verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. And so we can, it helps us uh, resolve some of the textual dilemma. And then Paul is describing that struggle he experienced as a Jew under the law. And it becomes more apparent as we now examine the text itself. He is looking at the human dilemma. What is it is happening to me is described, you know, by human, by man, by Paul. Paul said that, you know, he is carnal. Sold under sin. Romans 4, 7, 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, 
That I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. So he desires to do good. He wants to do good, but he finds himself unable to do it. We desire to abstain from evil, but we find ourselves unable to do it. Paul is saying, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to do good, but I'm, I'm finding myself unable sometimes. He agrees that the law is good, but finds that sin now dwells in him. Romans uh, 7, but verse 16 says, If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So in his flesh, nothing good dwells. You know, the desire, the good, you know, the desire to do good is present. We all can understand that. We, we all want to do good. But the ability to perform in this case is not. He's, it's, it just can't be done. The good he desires, he does not. The evil he desires, not he does. And so therefore sin dwells in him. That means that he is one who is enslaved uh, to a law of sin and death. Romans 8 and verse 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So we want to be looking to Christ because verse 21 of chapter 7 says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And so... Where evil is present in one who desires to do good, we know that. There's evil that wants to come out. We've got to constantly fight that. There's that war because there's a law in his members, the flesh, you know, wages war against the law of the mind. We have that constant battle. And he, he follows up in verse 24 and says, Oh, wretched man that I am. So he's knowing this, but what can I do? I'm a wretched man. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And so here we have, as Paul describes, a wretched dilemma, sold under sin, indwelt by sin, enslaved to a law of sin. But then we look in verse 25. We can be delivered by Christ. So the old law is doing its thing. It's letting us know what sin is, but it cannot deliver us from that sin in the way that Christ's death on the cross did. It is through Christ because he comes up and says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the f flesh, the law of sin. And so he's willing to serve God. There's that dilemma. I want to serve God with my mind, but with his flesh, he still wants to serve that law of sin. And remember in verse uh, 1 of chapter 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh. And that's the thing. Is we got to not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we've got to be walking according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Just as we talked about again this morning in, in Bible study. You know, Paul, follow us as an example. Otherwise, you've got the, the, the sin, the earthly example, the people that want to feed their belly with, with the earthly things. Because for those who, according to the flesh, set their thing, minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 11 in Romans chapter 8 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And that's one thing that uh, if we notice, being called a son of God, children of God, what does that, what does that do? We're not just... Uh, of God we're not you know created by God and we are just his pawns or whatever we are children as parents what do you do for your children you do just about anything for them because you love them we were children once those of us that are parents what did your parents do for you they should be wanting to do the best that they can for you. They want the best for you. They want you to succeed. God wants us as his children to succeed in this life here on this earth to live eternally with him. He's letting us know what it takes to do so. He's guiding us. And that's what we are to do. That's what we do as, as, as parents for our children is guide them so that they can have the best life that they can while living here on this earth. God is saying here is... On the spiritual side, don't let the earthly things get in the way. Stay focused on the spirit, and this is how to do it. And you can be uh, my child. And so we want to be his, his children. Because there is no condemnation for those in Christ, provided they walk according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ frees one from the law of sin and death. Christ's death fulfills the righteous requirement. It was his death on the cross, as we just discussed earlier, it was what he did for us. Christ came to this earth. God sent his son to be that perfect sacrifice, to do away with sin once and for all, something that the old law could never do. And we could become spiritually minded. Uh, you know, Becoming spiritually minded is life and peace because uh, we know that for submission to God is now possible. We can submit to him because we can uh, boldly approach his throne of, of grace. And we have that through, through the Spirit. that He imparts that upon us. We have the Holy Spirit available to us. And that's what we need to understand. Romans 6 and verse 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive uh, from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Ephesians chapter 3 and in verse 16 tells us that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit 
in the inner man. In other words, we are no longer debtors or enslaved to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Because by the Spirit, we can put to death the deeds of the flesh and live as sons of God. Not just people, but sons, children of God. And then if we just really sit down and think about that, at what kind of a, a blessed condition that is to be a child of God, to know that we are His children, no longer enslaved to sin, but empowered by His, you know, His Spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit. And so when we look in Romans chapter 7, Paul is vividly illustrating the weakness of the law of Moses, number one, and what uh, it could not do. It did bring to light what was sin, what you were supposed to do and how you are supposed to do it, but it could not do away with it the way that, that Christ did. The law was holy, it was just, it was good, but it just did not offer true deliverance. And why people today still want to live under that and try to follow that, even though I would call it, uh, you know, the old law light, you know, or 2.0. They want to make it their own version. Because if they truly followed what the old law said, you can't pick and choose that, all right, I'm going to do A, B, and C, but this animal sacrifice business, that's not as important as it was back in the day. Well, if you're going to follow the old law, you've got to follow it, you know, from start to finish. You can't just pick and choose. And the same with the new law. We can't pick and choose the things that we want out of it and say that, well, now this book chapter and verse, that steps on my toes a bit. I'm thinking I'm going to just let that one slide. Now, this over here I can follow because I do that every day. No, we got to follow 100% of it. And if we stumble, we can get back up. And that's why we encourage our, you know, it's, we're uh, required to, we're, we're told to, but we are encouraged every time we come together to edify one another, lift one another up, because it's tough out there. And we want to understand that, you know, that, that the new law can offer true deliverance. The old law did not offer deliverance from guilt and the power of sin because it just couldn't. One can will to do good, but the ability to truly do as one should is not there. In Romans chapter 8, Paul provides deliverance from this dilemma. First, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Second, empowerment over the flesh by aid of the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand that the struggle is, is still present, but the ability to perform is now possible. We can, we've got something. We've got that aid available to us. Just as, as we see walkers, you know, sometimes we struggle to walk. We've got to have that aid to get through. We've got the aid right here. All we've got to do is open it and follow it. It is available to us. Romans chapter 7 and verse 18 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. But for to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. Well, guess what? Galatians 5, 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We've got the guide in front of us. We don't have to worry about what the old law says in, in, in our eternal life. It did bring forth what is good and bad. It lets us know what's going on. But something more perfect came along, Christ. Christ was that perfect sacrifice. He is the one that brought us the ability to be able to come to, to, to God, approach His throne of grace boldly. And so have we, you know, we can't just say that 
we're going to get through it without any problems. I've, I've came up here. I've been baptized. I'm now a Christian. Life is going to be good. Well, we, we're looking for something eternal. The path, that, and, and I think of it whenever uh, Alan talked about it this morning, where you hold your finger in front and you either focus on the wall in the back as an example, and this is fuzzy, or you focus on the here and now and you forget what you're looking for because it's fuzzy. We need to stay focused. Yes, that finger is still right in the way. We've still got to go through it to get to that wall. So we're still going to be struggling through life and the, the wiles of the, uh, the way that the earth is treating us. But we've got to stay focused, and it's no different than a runner. You've got to finish that race. There's that finish line. You know, we have those that like to run marathons and ultra marathons and all that. There's a whole lot of road between them and that finish line. There's a struggle to get there to the end. But guess what? When you cross over it, it doesn't matter how weak you are, I'm sure that you feel that strength once you cross that line. I did it. And that's what we need to focus on ourselves. Because I know that we all experience the guilt of sin, but guess what? We can experience the freedom from the guilt of sin through the blood of Christ, it's through baptism. And we, uh, we know that because in Ephesians 1 and verse 7 it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And that's something we need to let the people around us know, everybody around us. And so are you experiencing freedom from the power of sin through the indwelling spirit? Romans 8 and verse 12 says, Brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so we need to understand that, that both blessings begin when one receives Christ and, with, and the Spirit in baptism. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We want to have that in our lives. We want to know that Christ is in our life. And that's why we come together is, is to encourage one another to say, yes, Christ is there. He's available to you. He is there to help you. Just look to Him. And we come together to encourage one another because of that. Because life outside of here is tough. Not to say that it's not tough inside sometimes. But we can encourage one another. We can help one another. And that's why we come together every Lord's Day and every time that we do meet is to help one another, to encourage one another as we, we go along this race, this path, looking toward that finish line. Even though it's the fuzzy in front and we're staying focused on that finish line, we can get there as a group. So if there's anyone here that needs the help of the congregation in any way, come forward as we stand and sing.